the story of like a Blackberry phone. Oh really? I hear I hear some Zelda going on in the background. Yeah, just uh, making sure that I, I know all the names of these things. What thing? It's a Zelda podcast. Just a Zelda podcast. It's it's a Zelda podcast. Not a lot, not a lot of time for anything else. Oh my god, I have I gotta, so much stuff. I gotta get the house ready. Gotta get the house ready. Gotta get the house ready. Gotta get the house ready in Zelda. You gotta you you get you settled down. You got a house in Zelda. Not yet. No, I don't know if that's no. like a, a thing. I, I, yeah, I don't I'll, know if that's a thing either. I'll, but I'll I, talk about like I have to I wanna, imagine. I wanna, I wanna talk about so you know we'll get into it. Oh, my plant looks sad. Your plant in Zelda? No. Well, you can't just say things and then say it's a Zelda podcast and then you're and now you're saying all these things that aren't Zelda. Are we live? Is this are we recording? I got some tea. It's from Zelda. I I uh. I, I, I in there in, in in true Zelda fashion. I mean, well, in, in you know at least uh, Switch era Zelda fashion. I had a uh, a large wok like thing, and then I threw in um, uh, some acorns. Um, oh I threw in some some hibiscus. I threw in some lemongrass, and then it it went bump 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 bump, and then uh, and then I got uh, tea. Do you want to talk about Zelda? Are we? Are we? Are we? Are we good? Are we it's good? it's it's a Zelda? WTDG for the week of uh, May the eighteenth. Be with you. What episode is this? Is it episode? It's like three hundred three. Uh, three hundred three. Right? I think it's three hundred three. So, twenty seventeen. Take me back. March. Whoa. Uh, Breath of the Wild came out. We we kind of experienced this game together for the first time. Oh, uh, first what a day. Switch game. Yeah. One of, one of the only Switch games. It's one of the it's one of the only Switch games. It, actually, I have such a connection yeah. to Breath of the Wild for this for for this reason too because um, I, I was I, I was not going to get a, a Switch um, at least at launch. I you know I, I'm a, I'm a huge Zelda fan, um, but I wasn't going to get a Switch at launch. And it I was, was going to make what they released it on Wii U. It's a Wii U game. Yeah, so I was I was maybe going to get it on Wii U if it was going to be good, but then I heard it was like fantastic, and I I was so excited about it. So. I I, uh, I ended up like you know going to a midnight launch for it and waiting outside and uh, I I got it and I I was while I was there they were like you can buy two switches and two Zeldas if you want and I did and then I was like hey do you want do you want this and then uh, I called out sick from work and I drove to your house and we played Breath of the Wild and uh, obviously you know it, I think Breath of the Wild changed a lot of games. Right, I thought that's not a that's not impossible to say. Like, there's you have games like Genshin Impact that I think largely exist because of Breath of the Wild. There's or there's Elden of, Ring or El, uh, or Elden Ring. I mean, Breath of like obviously the main thing that Breath of the Wild did was step back from the Ubisoft Ubisoft style of open world. Um, uh, they they just the whole thing about open world became breadcrumbing you towards things um like mm -hmm. going up a hill looking down and seeing okay there's a there's one thing i can do over there there's a thing i can do over there and then you try to go something go to, to do something and then on your way you find something else so you're always finding new things right right um i played it i put you played it we yeah. played it so so they so they did the Majora's Mask thing, where they got two Zeldas out on one console, and you said twenty seven seven year gap. You said twenty seventeen, and it, it it it's pretty insane because the Switch is worse for wear. Yeah, perhaps. I I also think that it's interesting to think about like if you were ten when Breath of the Wild came out, now you're sixteen. 
or if you were eight and Breath of the Wild is like your favorite game, now you're 14. There's Breath of the Wild too. Yeah. Those are crazy things to think about. I guess so. You could just say a lot of ages. If yeah, you were this, if you were switches. one when Breath of the Wild came out, then now you're six or seven. And you and probably didn't you can, care about And you probably don't know about it, but now you're maybe playing Tears of the Kingdom. So maybe. what you say is right though. I mean the Switch also is six years old at this point. Uh this game runs pretty well though. It runs for, it runs fairly well. It, it runs I, haven't, fairly... I haven't had issues. I, I haven't had a situation I'm I'm playing docked almost entirely. Uh, I haven't run into an issue where I felt like I got to be playing this on something else. Well, there's not another option unless you go the um, the dark route. Emulation route. Unless you go the dark, so the Sopranos route. Um, I mean, which, you can which legally is emulate. What I call crime, but emulation is legal. Sure. Well, is it is it is it legal to emulate this this game that came out? Just now? It is it is legal to emulate. Yes, you are allowed to emulate a game that you own. That you own. That you own. Yes. Okay. So so, but are you are you allowed to just get an emulator? Because there's it's is is emulators aren't asking you, do you own this, right? Uh, when you get an emulator, typically you need to include a serial code from your Switch on it. Oh really? There's there's yeah. le- like they're they're legalizing these emulators where you can actually just legit like why what am I doing why am I not playing this game on computer then? You could be. I could be. Um, you so, could be legally playing this game. So I don't know. I, I maybe I have a different experience. I don't. I, I never understand. I mean, like I always feel like it's scuttlebutt, but but I've heard things like I don't understand why docking makes things run better because there's nothing in the dock. There's no hardware in the dock. Is it just that? I, I mean, like I, this, this I, is. There's, there's processing required in, in making a, the screen do its thing, right? Yeah. And so, also, there's like, pro, yeah, and there's like heat generated from the screen that could make things perform less. But but it's hand. still outputting. It's still outputting that. I mean, like, I, I guess, like, I, I don't it know is. how much extra. Like, it's still outputting all that data anyway. It's like, like, I don't know. I, I guess I can understand it being a heat thing of of being anyway. Um. So, I've only I've been playing this um exclusively handheld watching the sopranos but uh my experience with it is that it's not bad it, it, it but it's not great and um i do notice that the game is like pretty framey and it can't handle i, I which this isn't so different than breath of the wild because i actually did recently play breath of the wild um and breath of the wild after elden ring came out um i played breath of the wild again and um Definitely some kind of like far off distance shots sometimes because you could see ridiculously far in the distance that the game can get a little hitchy and also there's a lot of like whenever there's a lot of particles there's a lot of um like mist in this game um and whenever there's a lot of particles or like a big you know swell of mist is kind of on the ground and you're and maybe like there's a couple enemies or something and you're looking off in the distance it can get a little hitchy or like you know if a, if a bomb goes off and it hits a lot of enemies this is this doesn't even feel as bad because when if a bomb goes off and hits a lot of enemies then it's kind of like does like a time that because it gets so hitchy and it almost is okay because it's a little like you know hit stoppy sure. um but sure. but yeah so you're not having any problem you don't feel like you're noticing the hitching from when when you're when it's rendering far distances no not really I, it just, it just hasn't been like an issue. Like it's not like a, it it feels different than in a PC game where you get like micro stutters. Cause like in a game like this, like when the stutter, like when things slow down, it almost like, is like, all right, this makes sense. Whereas 
with a lot of the issues we've been seeing over the last three years with PC games, it's like shader caching issues and it's in awkward spots. It's yeah. It's essentially like poorly, like this game tears of the kingdom. It's very well optimized. Like as that's not to say that it runs perfectly, but it is to say that like with what this game is doing on the hardware that it's doing, it's doing a great job uh, compared to other games where it's like, you know, you have a machine that's well above what you should need to run it. And it runs poorly. We should talk about the game. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it is. A, I just, I just wanted to mention it because that is like, I got to get that out of the way quick. Is that first of all, we've had around a year now with the 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 Steam Deck, right? And I, the the, the switches getting up there in age. I was really hoping that by now there would be a Switch 2.0, something that ran games a little better. I do agree with you that it like it is the best looking thing on Switch, and even as far as games go in general it's it's not it's it's so far from bad looking if if it were running exactly the same way on my pc i i still would play it and i would you know be a little annoyed by optimization issue because yeah. i'm like i mean like if it were like supposed to be on pc and supposed to be optimized for pc i'd be a little annoyed at the at the optimization issues i'd be a little bit annoyed at the hitching but even then it wouldn't be like a big deal but i'm just saying you know it, 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 it has is, to be mentioned the game i don't know if you've seen this article going around but this game is 16 gigabytes yeah that's crazy isn't that is that not crazy to you well, I didn't download it. I, I, I bought it. I actually, you know what? I went to um, a midnight launcher for this game. I don't know if you know that. But but it's still like, it's it's impressive, right? Like, like it is an engineering marvel when when you think about this and you compare it to other games in their sizes. Yeah, why not? It's, 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 it's Nintendo's shtick, right? Like, they, yeah. they actually, they release these whack hardwares that only they can develop for and then they they do the damn thing they like they they have some of the best looking games of all time on their weak ass hardware mario mario odyssey is definitely one of those games where it will like it that game runs perfectly and it's so aesthetically pleasing that like it'll never look bad despite the fact that it's running on like you know weak hardware right and and this game somewhat similarly i think that this game will have issues going into the future and probably require like a remake on the Nintendo Swatch, which will be the Nintendo handheld phone. Um, wa- no, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a watch. It's going to be, well, that, well, that would be a watch. It's going to be like a Pip-Boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get so into the, the game. The game. Uh, so I'll say up front, um, maybe a little hyperbolic. We like to be hyperbolic. Uh, for me personally, one of my favorite games. Whoa. I think that it's one of the, the best games that I've played with the caveat that I think that the game is a nine out of 10. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I've been hyperbolic on this podcast. I feel like I'm not always hyperbolic and I don't take back any of my, my, anything I've said recently about like, Oh, this is the best, this or that, because games are iterative, first of all. So, so when you like, if you take by, by a literal sense, if you take breath of the wild and then you have years after that, and then you do the right thing where you're adding a lot more things onto it, then should, shouldn't it somewhat be an iterative thing? It's not like, it doesn't work like other medium, right? Like it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it was a good thing that has a lot more things and is like switched up, right? Switched up. Yeah. So give me your hot take on it. Give me, give me your score. Say something. Say something that's going to get the get people clickbait. I mean, well, here's the clickbait for me is that it, it's good. It's good. Uh, I, so, that's fair. That's a good clickbait. 
for, for it, Zelda. It, it, people are people are ready to rage. Listen yeah, people are ready. You you remember? Do you remember when Jeff Gersman gave Twilight Princess like an eight or something, and it was like death threats? Um, but, and that game probably deserved the eight, and I still like Twilight Princess anyway. But but um, so, I'm, I'm a huge Zelda fan. It's like the fucking it's the thing that like I, I whenever I've thought about getting tattoos if whenever anyone's like oh would you what would you get if you, if like if people ask me like like do you have any tattoos okay what would you get if you got a tattoo it is literally like a triforce or a hylian shield or something as as you know corny as that is mask. it or majora's mask. it doesn't matter like it's like i i this is the this is the franchise the specific franchise that got me into gaming ocarina of time was like the game that made me be podcasting about video games at this point so i love this franchise um i i i think my opinions on tears of the kingdom could will very likely change in the future and i'm starting to like it more i had a, a kind of poor initial first impression though um yeah and i'd like to to talk a little bit about that because like i said i think that this is one of the best games for me that i've played it's one of my favorite games but i think that it's a nine out of ten and the reason for that is uh, in some of these new mechanics, which are things that I love. And obviously, you know, we're going to talk about mechanical spoilers of this game. And the big thing about this and, and the thing that, like, as soon as I found out that this was in the game, I stopped following all coverage of the game, which is, hey, you could glue things together in this game. And you could glue things to your equipment uh, with your abilities. You've got the ultra hand ability, which is like a very Jojo esque ability of like a giant hand comes out and you can like move things around and just glue things together, which could mean that you could build a boat or you could build a car or you could build a, you could just attach a rocket to something and just like rocket something into an enemies. You can take like a spiky ball trap that you have other ability, like recall ability where like, let's say an enemy like drops a boulder on you like down a path, you could like stop time and reverse it and send the boulder back into them. Uh, but with this uh, comes where I would deduct some some points from the game and where I have some issues, which is that uh, building things is slow. It's a little fiddly. It's really, I and, mean, I, I, I want to say up front how just obnoxious some of that stuff feels like the the um, this isn't this was a Breath of the Wild issue, too, but like rotating stuff is like mm -hmm. a little is like awkward there's times where it's like you have to like rotate something in a certain direction just to be you able have to, to go rotate horizontal it. just yeah. to yeah yeah just to do it vertical because there's not like a flip 180 button so yeah it's, like... it's, it's stuff like that is annoying yep. um sure uh my, my my initial so so i i didn't you know like like i there was a trailer that came out i watched like one second of it and then i was like oh shit what are you doing like i just i just like stopped the trailer i was like why are you doing this to yourself like why would you want to know what happens in there so i so i didn't really know anything going into this game that much um and uh i, I guess like the the new um uh, Sheikah Slate abilities, what would you call them? I guess that's like what they were in Breath of the Wild, right? The old yeah, your powers. The 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 Breath of the Wild abilities um, uh, were, you know, there was a Cryo ability, which is kind of useless, you know, looking back on it. I mean, like, at least, like, I, I think that this game handles it in a different way, and, and it probably, you know, makes more sense. It's just an ability that made, like, turned made like platforms of ice and that was pretty much it it's kind of weird to be a main ability but anyway um there was the magnesis right and the magnesis in this game was uh in in the in, in breath of the wild it was just you know you're picking up metal objects 
um, or, yeah. or objects and throw, and you're able to like move them around and manipulate them. Um, in this game, it's become like a create thing. So it's it's not only a, a magnesis in the sense of being able to pick up an object and like rotate it in the air and move it where you want. You can attach things to it. Um, and so far, like I, I I I again, I think I'm earlier than some than 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 some people in the game, or maybe like I just haven't found this yet. But the initial kind of stuff that they sh they show off for the cre the creation aspect seems really underbaked. Um, so you can ch like if if you disagree with that, uh, I, oh I, yeah, like, I do. One so so like they they'll they'll be plastered around the world. There's like you know like there'll be like wood planks and then planks of wood. Yeah, and, and then a lot um, of planks of wood, especially early on in the game. There's just and it, did and you I see there like is a narrative that, like. Did you know the to narrative the reason of for this? To the, to the construction company? Yeah, it's like the Hudson. The was like the yeah. Hudson construction company. Yeah, and then was... you helped the guy with the signs. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... so there's a lot of wood. So there's a lot of wood, and then, there, and then there's these uh, Zonai um, uh, uh, kind of like machines, which is the a whole Gachapon aspect... machines. It's, it's a whole aspect of this game where um, there's these machines that kind of like require a battery, and they're kind of like the heart and soul of these, I guess, like creations, where there's stuff like wheels or fans and um those can be like used into to, to create things so the one of the, the earliest initial examples they give is like you take a plank of wood you throw a fan on the back of it and when you hit the fan it causes the fan to to to, to you know like uh, uh work as a fan does to blow air yeah. and and because of that you're, you make you're like basically, a little raft you make like a raft boat. you make like a little skiff kind of thing um so you get to the point where, like, you see, you know, planks of wood and, like, four wheels or something, and then you can put the wheels on the planks of wood, but, like, there's no... Maybe this changes, but it's, like, there's not a way to steer it, so it just goes forward. For now. Yeah, so, like, that's not... For now. Uh, and there's a lot of for now, and it, and it is this weird thing of, like, um, did you find auto-build? No. Okay. So I do want to talk about this and it is light spoilers, but this is something that I had mentioned as being like a, I can't believe this is just in the middle, like in a random fucking place when it seems like such an important factor of this game, because while the building is clunky, there's also uh, one of the last powers that you'll probably find is called auto build. And it's in the middle so the other thing that we didn't talk about is this game has like three tiers of world, right? Like there were people who were like, oh, I can't believe that they're setting Zelda in the same place. Like it's the same Hyrule that it was before. But there's three tiers to it now where there's the sky islands, there's the surface level, and then there's the depths, the underground. And in the middle of the underground, just like seemingly in the middle of it, there is a temple where you acquire auto build and auto build is an ability that just allows you to save uh builds that you've done before that you've liked and also to construct those items out of thin air uh using the zonite as a resource okay so so that's so pretty, you're saying doesn't that sound fucking nuts that you yeah. don't know about that that that's like like Okay, so do you have know. a thing that can? So you you have like more useful equipment, like it, like so you you can steer. You've made a car that actually works. Yeah, yeah, you get that. You get that stuff, and and I can fabricate that out of nowhere. 
Uh-huh. You, you can only fabricate the full piece. But also, if you are, let's say you want to build like a glider and you have the pieces nearby, you can use auto build and it'll scoop the pieces together for you and stitch them in the way that you liked them. So it removes like the clunkiness of like, oh, I have to build this thing again that I've built before to take care of this puzzle. Like I, I have the pieces here, but but it's there's also a situation of like, I have to cross this this river and I am missing some of these pieces. So I'm gonna grab the ones that are here and it's gonna auto build what it can and I'm gonna spend my zonite to uh, fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is a great quality of life feature that, when you don't have it makes the building just feel so much worse sure yeah that definitely is a and, huge huge difference between like just the clunky like moving things around trying to build it and then rebuild it i mean like for 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 without that i, I definitely think that uh I, I don't interact with it with the building that much other than simple things like building bridges that i need to do or for or for the shrines for the most part i'm just kind of like if i if i see a bunch of like wood and in like wheels it's like why would i even do that because i it only makes me go straight so yeah have you done so i didn't like like i said i didn't know much about this game i think that everybody saw the um the sky islands but when i first went into the depths i was blown away yeah, I did. The, I I went back and did the initial Robbie stuff. Um, uh, the depths is a cool looking area, and it's definitely it's definitely it's nice. Massive. It's definitely important to go. I think that for that that it does it, it it's it's a it's a really expected feeling to start playing Tears of the Kingdom and then say like especially since both of us recently played Breath of the Wild, so it was a little bit more fresh in my mind that like oh yeah this these areas are kind of the same. Um, and, and that's, that's, you know, that's kind of fine, right? Because there's certain cool things of like going back to certain areas. I don't know if you went back to the Great Plateau, something that I really wanted to do, um, and see certain areas and there's some cool. No, but, but one of the first things that I did is I flew straight to the, uh, place where you fight Ganon. Okay. And there's a, it's worth doing. There's a little secret in there. Good. Yeah. There's some cool stuff. So I just kind of wanted, so it, it is cool to, to, to see, how things have changed, but in a familiar world. So there's a little bit of like nostalgia there, but I do think that that until you go to the depths, the 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 depths, and uh, do some of the Sky Island stuff, that uh, the game feels a little bit um, underbaked, a little bit like a uh, just like a patch until you do those kind of things, where you see like okay, okay there is a a, a lot of uh of world here to explore you know there's a a significant dark world like the depths is the same size as the overworld yeah um that's pretty that's i wonder how much i guess there there is one big difference though because uh i mean it's not quite as vertical as the overworld like the the overworld is even larger through because of the fact that um, there's certain areas that uh, there's tons of areas that are really really hard to to uh, tre- to, to uh, like progress through. Um, there's areas where you're having to go up like you know steep mountains or uh, like inclement weather. And with the underworld, it's a little bit it's much flatter, um, so it's easier to get around and quick probably like quicker to traverse. And so far from what I've seen, I, I did a couple of the um, I did that that first initial quest in the depths, and I also um did a bunch of the light areas like the light seed things um yeah. and most of the so far it looked like a lot of just um 
camps, monster camps. I didn't see anything that was that was uh, like again, like I haven't explored it uh, significantly yeah. enough, but I didn't see anything in those those areas that were like um, very unique. Uh, have you done any? Have you gone to do any of the the story? The the kind of I I mean to, I definitely mean to. I I every time I think about doing it, I get distracted. Right now, I've ended up sort of near. I think I'm near Kakariko Village. Um, I plan to do it in the. So, it's this weird thing of the. They kind of give you an order. I I know, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Also, is like the first thing that I wanted to do is I was like, okay, in this game, I want to go to Gerudo first, because I feel like in the last game, I went to Gerudo last, and I I was trying to rush through it. So I didn't feel like I, I got like a really good feeling for it. So this time I wanted to go there first, but they're like, you got to go to Rito village. You got to do Rito. Do, so, I don't know if they make you do So, so, okay. I don't think so they make me, I do. I do. I want... do kind of want to do it in their order because the other thing that we haven't talked about is this game's kind of hard. Yeah. Things just kill you. You just die in one hit. Yeah. I, I, I think it, it was, it was uh, it, it was it's a little bit similar for breath of the wild but breath of the wild mm-hmm. has a if it works similarly to the way the breath of the wild works breath of the wild had a um hidden experience system where yeah. the more monsters you were killing and the further you know that you were get progressing through the game that there would be harder monster spawns so initially there's like the regular bokoblins and then you get to like these like i guess it's like blue and black and like we're I'm already finding black ones yeah like in the beginning of the game you you already are finding areas where it's like i don't know if the game really aggressively wanted me to just go in one path or if it was like an elden ring thing where like in the very beginning of the game you can have like three or four hearts and then just experiencing like black bokoblins that are one-shotting you that uh that like so so that kind of stuff is going the moblins like the the like like uh, captain kind of moblins and stuff like that that are that can just kill you instantly so there's a lot of um danger initially um uh so so that is the case but i was also going to say that like the there there's uh the, the the way that the game feels like so the the um when I recently went back and played Breath of the Wild, I praised it for how the the the, the Great Plateau. Um, I, I had done it once the first time, and then doing it the second time, I was kind of poking around more, and I found how many different um, ways there were to tackle these like these areas. And and one of the examples I used was that there's one shrine that's that's up in the mountains that's like snow covered, and uh, this is like, you know, this is the starting area and there's, there's so many ways to do it. So first of all, like if you meet one character, there's, there's a person on the plateau that tells you like, oh, here's some, you know, spicy peppers and you can make this kind of thing out of it. And it teaches you cooking and it teaches you that you can make a, um, anti cold potion. There's another character where if you do something for them, like, I think it's like you chop down wood or something like that and build a fire that they give you um warm clothes and then there's there's other ways around it if you want to brute force us there because they teach you how to make campfires um so you could either so if you didn't find either of those things you could just brute force it by making campfires you could um climb up the the other side of the mountain where you're closer to the shrine so i just thought it was really interesting because even initially the game is like 
is like giving you all these pats and maybe the first time you do it you're like oh yeah i did the it's the this is the way you do it is is you um this guy gives you peppers and you make a spicy potion kind of thing and you don't realize that like there's so many unique ways to tackle the the um this the the, the this this shrine error, this problem with the with the snow um and in in this game unless i'm completely wrong there the initial kind of uh, starting plateau they have you on in the sky island it's really boring first of all there's nothing really defined and when I, and whenever i went off the beaten path i was i never felt rewarded for it and there's a linear way to progress through it and you kind of have to do it because after like one shrine the um you get the first power the creation power and then a character gives you the battery to be able to go to the next shrine because you need to do and so there's all these like parts yeah. that are like these these like th there's one part that requires you to like learn to put a fan on the back of a minecart, but it's yep. not telling you multiple ways to do it. And there and it's you 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 even progress perfectly linearly in a counterclockwise style through the island. And I just thought like it was re it was weird coming from Breath of the Wild where the initial starting plateau is a little bit is is I mean like maybe it feels a little frustrating because you kind of want to get out there and go do things but there is a lot of unique ways to tackle the solution the, the problems and in this game it, it felt like a longer more tedious tutorial and that's possibly due to the way that some of the mechanics work I, I maybe Nintendo felt uncomfortable giving people the this, this one yeah I mean the powers are a lot more at least like ultra hand is is a lot more complicated than some of the other you know ones yeah um uh, but the powers also feel a little weird. I don't know if they're going to give me time stop the way that they have in the in in Breath of the Wild, um, because in Breath of the Wild you just got all of your abilities up front. I don't know if there's more abilities like major uh, hand abilities or whatever to I'm use. I'm not sure. Yeah, to I don't use, know. Um, later on, I, I know that there will probably be um, abilities similar to Breath of the Wild that are from like the champions because of. The thing i'm doing right now okay yeah and I, i'm not i'm not at the dungeons yet like like i said i didn't make it yeah major um, or anything like that. uh so it's just weird because they took out that and that was like a major part of the time stop thing it's they they turned it into going backwards in time which is interesting but it lacks that like i think there was a lot more freedom in the time stop and that was sure i don't know if i wonder if for some weird reason it was like nintendo hated the way that people were like speed running the game or something I, I don't know, but I'm sure there'll be some I, I don't get really wild shit for this one. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the speedrunning speed community running. cannot be kept down. Um, so, so, and, and also, so I, I do wonder: Did you find the boss on the on the starting island? What boss? I maybe the answer is no. I mean, okay. There's the construct boss that's like on the giant like um, arena on the starting area. Oh, I guess not. Maybe not. Okay. I was just curious because I, I do feel like there was like stuff off of the beaten path and there were like some rewards. Every, every time I went, I think it, uh, like I, this is a, a really empirical thing. And this is, you know, like I, I feel like you, this is this is like a you can put this on a cross stitch and hang this above my bed because this is just sometimes this happens in games. But like I especially initially uh, it's starting to turn around, but it's similar to my experience starting out in Elden Ring where where in, in Breath of the Wild, I felt like there was more Koroks and there was more, just everything I was doing was like, whoa, there's a Korok. Whoa, there's this thing that, oh, I just yeah. found another secret. And there, there are 20 Korok seeds on the starting area. Of yeah, and, and I just didn't feel like I was finding, you know, that much. And I, and I was going out of my way. It was just like, no, but here's another, like, kind of nothing. Like, and, and like, I wasn't really getting that excited about the things I was kind of finding. Um, 
Uh, so, so I also I love the Koroks in this. I love the Koroks that can't find their friends. Oh, those can be so tedious sometimes. I oh. love them. You oh just strap. God, they're, they're I, love, I like strap like strapping a rocket on them and just like sending them on their way. I think it's so funny. Yeah, so I'm starting to find some things. Uh, I think I'm having. I think I just got to the the a point, and I won't talk much about this because I don't want to. Cool. I don't want to yeah. um spoil this aspect of it, but I got to the Rito area and I, okay so i don't i don't want to talk much more about it but i think that it provides a more cinematic event than anything that's happened in breath of the wild it, if that makes okay. sense it, it it's something it stuff is happening in that area that is instantly way more unique than any moment in breath of the wild and it's it's a big huge set pc kind of thing um and uh everyone will see it um and uh yeah so so i just i just think that they're that like it is an area that was like whoa this is something this is they're doing something here that i didn't see in breath of the wild i really like it and i think that it's a really cool element of the game and it makes me excited for the other main story quest because i think that guessing how this one is going i'm going i i have to imagine that they're going to use the same element in the other the other areas but but uh, uh yeah i yeah i i you know i didn't even think about going back to the great plateau but that makes a lot of sense oh i'm not talking um, about the plateau i'm talking about okay uh the the, the plateau did has go, this... did you go back to the to the original to the starting area from breath of the wild one that's the great plateau okay and, went, and did you I go went back, back to it you, there, did, you did went back to it yeah there there is the only so so there i i, I found one thing on it where someone told me straight up you don't have the thing you need right now um okay. I, you need to go do something so i think it might be related to what you're talking about i okay. think it might and, be and so i could tell you that like um if you want what that is do you want to know where you would have to go no okay probably the less honestly the less said about these kind of games sometimes the better i know i feel like you know i, it I think it just we... feels weird that this one thing that feels so important to like my to like the way that I want to play the game, I, I felt very fortunate to stumble upon it. But I also felt like this is your experience. A lot of with, other people would be like cheated. This is your experience with Elden Ring, right? And 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 that is that is so sad. Imagining it's kind of weird that they and and maybe there's more of those kind of elements that are that are super important for for having fun in the game. Maybe they're hidden in places, and it would be weird to be like because the game you know isn't very forward about giving you too much direction i mean when you it, it is a little bit more forward than breath of the wild about giving you direction because they do kind of specifically tell you this is the order you should go you should go over to the rito village first um but uh as far as this whole thing with the the depths going on that you're saying and, and this ability to like save creations um that is weird to me that someone can like maybe literally play the whole game pretty much and like kind of finish it and I, then I not experience it. I think that there it. must be there must be a quest that takes you here because there's like cinematics and like there's uh re there are key character reveals in this area, so it has to be it has to be somewhere along the main line, but I don't know where. Do you have any other like I mean, I feel like we've, we we. Is there anything else we should say? So um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you're finding the shrines and if you've been like impressed with any particular shrines. I think that, I, I found a couple of them to be really interesting. I think that they are a little bit 
better than Breath of the Wild by and large. So I, so I, you know, I do have the the recent like playthrough of Breath of the Wild under my belt, and uh, one huge thing that I would say that I, I really appreciate this aspect. I think it's really cool is that there was these combat shrines in Breath of the Wild, and they were just kind of straight up combat. Um, there wasn't really like anything that you that you know different about them, um, and they were kind of grindy because like the the enemy had a lot of health and I, for a long time they would kind of just like one shot you it was really they were kind of frustrating they were almost like time gated these shrines because you couldn't some of them like you just couldn't do that early in the game if you went far enough in the one direction you just didn't have the right equipment or the right health for it um in this game uh the combat shrines are there to teach you something so the 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 monsters in the the the, the constructs in the shrines are immune to damage then uh, but only take damage from whatever they're trying to teach you. So for examples, like one shrine is about throwing your weapon at it. Um, so I just kind of like that because it's it's trying to go over like different elements of the game. Like they, they like, you know, top stop and take the time to teach you like, oh, but when you pull out your bow in the air, you uh, slow down time and you can attack. And now we are going to do a shrine where the only time you can damage people is in the slowdown. So I think that's a, that's a good, that's a better use of, people's time i think than just the other shrine and then uh i think that so far every single shrine i've seen has been um almost wholly unique versus breath of the wild which kind of had a lot of shrines that were of a certain ilk it was like oh here's one of these um but it's they've made it a little bit more complicated if that makes any sense yeah sure of course um there's a lot of shrines that are doing these like kind of creative building things that almost like these Rube yeah. Goldberg shrines where yes, there are definitely quite a few of those where um, there was like a shrine where I had to kind of like create a bat and then hit a ball. Yep. The pinball shrine. Yeah. I did want to bring that one up because I thought that one was very fun. So, so I do think I'm so did far you get I'm the saying secret the... chest on that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, what, was it was really just the cool. one where, where you, you have to hit the other side, right? Yeah, where you have to like use those like um, there are these like one one of the items is like these like stakes that can go through the ground and like freeze in place. So you have to like use the stake to like pin like a like a dangling wall up so that you could hit the ball past it. I actually didn't do it like that. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I. I, um, I did. I. I did something. I. I had it set up where the the the. Uh, a ramp for it was kind of out of the way of the um, the wall, but all right, yeah. And and one of the shrines that I really liked, I had to like. Um, there there was these. Um, the water was you had to get a ball across like a river, but the water was traveling so hard that there wasn't like like a a way that initially made sense of getting it through there because like fans and like the wheels that they give you aren't strong enough. So what you had to do is you had to attach wheels to planks of wood to create paddles, to create, like, giant paddles. And then the paddle, like, the physics are, are it's impressive. Uh, so that these giant paddles, you know, would be strong enough to push through the the water. I thought that was very smart. Mm -hmm. um... So, I mean, you know, and also there's a caveat of, like, I loved nuts and bolts. So like, um, um, there's like a predisposition to like this game, but I also do like the way that there's like the weapon modifications and like using the, uh, different 
arrows and things like that. So so it just feels like you have like tons of different arrows at your disposal, like the smoke arrows and like the the blinding arrows, and and you know like the the really fast arrows, the the heat seeking arrows. You just have like such a wide wide amount of options. Yeah, I think that I mean. I, I I feel two ways about it. Um, uh, so I was kind of expecting to find kind of some cooler stuff, um, like in in and this is kind of done in a in a very different way in this game. So instead of finding you know some even some basic stuff like an axe or a hammer to be able to break um, uh, uh, rocks down. Uh, you just you fuse. That's a whole different mechanic. Is this fusing mechanic where you can fuse things to the weapons? Um, but you cre- you end up creating some really like <laughs> grotesque looking weapons. Like it's just it's just like literally like you take like a claymore and then like fuse like a monster's horn to it, and you're like, yep, now it's a this thing. But um, uh, sometimes it does change the way it looks. Um, and and, and I, sometimes it changes what what the weapon does. Yeah, but but I was but I was thinking like uh, until I started experimenting with that and killing when, when you kill like like it it's, it it actually it, it does kind of serve a purpose. So um, initially I was kind of bummed out to to not see um, cool unique weapons. And in Breath of the Wild, uh, you you know you could be playing the game for like 20, 30 hours, and then you come upon like something wild, like a flame sword or something. And then it feels so unique, and it's like, do I want to use it? When am I going to use it? It seems insane that I can just create fire out of nowhere. That's what, like, and that's like a wild ability right now. I could just, just you know, like just like swing on ice things, or cre- or do like you know use this sword to create fires for campfires and stuff. Um, so there's like these exciting, and they look cool as hell, right? But um, in this game, there's uh, you're not really so far. I haven't found anything cool. I'm just finding these like ugly you know just just a traveler's claymore just uh you know some basic shit and then you're fusing it to things you, so you haven't found the ones that have like abilities yet um but but the, the i mean i found i haven't found really i i uh, some of the weapons will have abilities like i found like a katana that has like extra sneak damage but the main way that the game seems to want to push you the main direction the game seems to want to push you in is that by defeating the harder enemies you're finding like usually like their horns and stuff like that you're attaching to create a whole different weapon so like you take a uh, you get like a bokoblin tooth and then you fuse it to your claymore and then it becomes like this bone sword um so so there are some kind of unique designs but a lot of them so far the, the ones that I've found in the world have generally been boring and then you're trying to find you know kill a Hinoch and then take its like I like I I think the 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 most damaging weapon I have so far is that I killed a black Hinoch right that was that how you say that was it? Which one is the Hinoch I'm not sure The 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 huge one-eyed golem monster Oh the Hinochs yeah, yeah yeah sure um, uh, so I killed one of the, like, a, like a hard version of those and it had a like chain ball on its head. And then I attached it to a sword and created like a, a really extremely high damage mace. But a lot of this stuff, like it looks goofy. Um, I, like in the beginning you like learn to like fuse, um, uh, stuff to like a, a, a boulder to like a stick to make a hammer. And then I like, I did it to a shield. And then for the first like 10 hours, I'm running around with like a big dumbass boulder on my back. It's just like, Oh God, I look like so stupid. I look like a clown. Some of the stuff was so cool, though. I don't know if you've like done the fusions on your shield where you could put like a minecart on. Yeah, your you shield. can make a skateboard. 
out of yeah, that. Yeah, that kind of stuff um, is cool. Like uh, sled. Some of it has been a little let down because uh, I I had that moment early on with um like I I went to this cavern um th- there's the depths and then there's also a lot of caverns and wells caves yeah yeah uh, so so that's pretty cool I mean like I like we said um uh the game is probably like insanely stupidly massive right I would love to see the uh the square footage layout of this because like we said before like Breath of the Wild is obviously intensely large right it was like probably one of the biggest games uh, by like a square foot and how long it takes to verse ever released at especially at the time um and uh think about that but then the sky islands the depths take think about that the sky islands the depths the um and then these like systems of caverns and caves so there's a lot there's a lot to um there's a lot like going on there um uh so uh, yeah, I, w- I went under there. Um, the the point being that I that I was in a a cavern area, a cave area, and I had to get across this uh, this like rapids under the ground, and there was of course um, uh, fans and some wood. But because especially these are like like you said, I'm, I mean like I'm not discount. I don't know. Like maybe this stuff gets obviously this stuff apparently gets more complex and more interesting. But you could just kind of throw the fan on the raft. But because it was the way that it was, I, I, I needed it to steer a little bit better. So my for, my thought was like, how about I put it on my shield? And then that way I, I control where it goes. But the battery ran out like super quick on the shield. And then the shield just like exploded after a couple seconds of using it. I, I still think that there's like this game. It, it's it, it is like a lot of people that didn't like this aspect of, of Zelda, of, of Breath of the Wild, the um, aspect of, like, your weapons breaking. Um, I, I, I I don't know. Like, that that hasn't really been remedied. I don't know if it needs to be. I, it is important that you... I, I think that it's important for the game that you're always scavenging, that you're always surviving. That you're always... I, I... You don't just like I don't think it would be good if you just like found a thing and it just worked forever. And the game is trying you have to like let go of this video game part of you that is like I'm going to save this weapon for the hardest boss, right? Because y- y- the game doesn't want you to do that. The game wants you to uh, th- like just keep using what you have and scavenging and moving forward and hoping that around the corner is a better thing and that you're supposed to be having fun, you're supposed to be using those things and breaking those things. But at the same time I feel like some of this stuff can just break so easily that it's like a little frustrating. Like you, like you do this big thing, you have this Hinnok fight, and then you you make your you know most damaging weapon, and then it's like you encounter the next hard group of uh, uh, of like monsters or whatever, and then it, and then it breaks on you, and it's like oh now I got not gonna go back to some of this this other crap. Oh by the way, did you did you see some of the kind of cooler stuff? Like there was the the fort takeover. Uh, where you're traveling with like the band of yeah. of like Hylians. Yes, yeah. that stuff is cool. Yeah, that kind of stuff is cool. I I think that that the world feels more like the, full. The world feel, feels more alive. There's um uh uh you know Elden Ring gave us uh Elden Ring you know obviously copped Breath of the Wild steez and then uh added all these elements and then you know in Breath and in, in Elden Ring there's those uh, caravans of monsters. Breath of the Wild uh, now, yeah now has caravans of monsters. So it's like you know an Ouroboros. Of, of, you know, of game design. Um, but I, I, I do, I think that it is really important to hone in on that because for me, Breath of the Wild is much more comparatively open um, and empty 
Uh, and in and, and sure. this game, I, I'm happy to see. I'm I'm be, I'm increasingly more excited to see these set piece moments. To see uh, like I we uh, I think we often I, I often mentally go back to uh, uh, Evertide Island because it was a big set piece moment that is like you know if you you get to this area and then something really special happens and it's one of the places that I can remember like it, it it's one of the only things I think that never repeats itself. And it's a big kind of like set piece event. And um, I think it's cool to be going around the world and then you're fighting like a camp of enemies and then like a bunch of Hylians come up and it becomes like a big fight, right? Because that's something that never happened in Breath of the Wild. And it's a little bit more cinematic and makes the world feel a little bit more living and breathing. And you get this sense that um, in Tears of the Kingdom, there's this huge... Breath of the Wild is like, you know, the apocalypse is kind of dawning but people are kind of used to it because it's been happening for i think it was happening for like 10 years right because the setup was that maybe a hundred years was it a hundred years i am yeah maybe you're right okay so breath of the wild i think maybe it was a hundred years and people in breath of the wild are kind of used to it like they're they're used to the way things are now they're kind of comfortable but you're kind of coming back and you're saying like no the like like things were bad for the last hundred years and that ganon is back but the the end is near. Ganon is going to destroy the world now. But people are kind of like they don't want to hear it, and they're they're kind of just used to the way things are going. Um, a little bit Majora's Mask esque in that like the end is kind of near, but people are so used to things going carry on as they do. And keep calm and carry on. Yeah, and in right? tears and yeah, just like that, just like that, just like that shirt. Um, and uh, in Tears of the Kingdom, um, there's a, there's more of a sense that like this bad thing happened now and people are scrambling. We had, they, they, ha they just had peace and now this bad thing is happening right now. So, so, you know, like the Hylian soldiers are traveling in bands to try and take back the, the lands from the monsters. And then you have all these like makeshift forts of monsters that took over these certain areas and all this kind of stuff. So there, so there is this more, there's this greater sense of urgency in the world. Yeah. And, and have you seen any of the combat between the different groups of monsters yet? Yes. Um, between, are you talking awesome. about between constructs and the constructs and like the uh, moblins, the, 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 yeah. the Ganon kind of monsters. Yeah. That's fun too. Yes, that kind of stuff is cool. So, so it's good, right? I like it. It's good. It's good. I think it's uh, great. I think it might be uh, one of the best games this year. But it's a there's a lot of games coming out this Whoa, year. Whoa, this is a so crazy got, year. This is a, this is actually gonna, uh, one of the, the craziest the years. Fighter. We got Mortal Kombat was just announced. We've got a uh, you know Starfield, Diablo. Oh man, the year of fighting of games, right? I'm so, I am excited for. Um, so many fighting games right now. Just like a quick, I, I just wanted to say how crazy like this is that Guilty Gear is adding Oscar. Um, since the inception of Guilty Gear, and I believe 1998. Don't you know? Quote me on that. Um, uh, since since Guilty Gear came out, um, there's been a character called That Man in the story that was the creator of the whole Gears. Um, he like it was basically soul bad guy uh which is his name i forget his name is like franz it's like franz ferdinand or something um uh his original name uh soul bad guy justice which was soul bad guy's wife and that man and uh that man eventually became known as oscar um r krauts who is the kind of he's like kind of the main creator of all the problems in guilty gear 
he's the creator of the like they they were the ones who like created the gear project so he's kind of like one of the most influential important lore characters in the history of guilty gear and this is gonna be the first game that he's ever been playable as so i feel like there was a in my mind there must have been to do this right you have to really nail this character and make him feel like make him look like a final boss and make him look like the badass that he is in the story and I don't think that they disappointed. He looks ridiculous. He looks very similar to Invoker or um, in uh, Blaze Blue Nine. Um, from what we know, he's like a mage. He's almost like a geomancer that creates these like rock formations. Constructs. Constructs. Yeah, and he, he's the Zelda. He's the tier of the kingdom. He has um, twenty six different spells. Of, of four different categories and then he also has like this mana meter man are the dlc characters they love putting in like special meters um and special mechanics. i love that that's um, the time to do it so he has this mana meter where uh when he has mana he has a he has extra defense and he's kind of like a mid kind of uh like he's like he's kind of mid he's, he's kind of like a like a middle of the road health wise he's kind of mid He's kind of a middle of the road health uh, character. He's probably like probably I would have to imagine he's like similar to Kai Kisuke or something like um in, in health wise. And then when the when he runs out of mana, he becomes squishier than Chip. So that's something. It's interesting that he's going to be like able to have all these abilities, but but that, like if he exerts himself too far, he's going to get like exploded in one shot. He just looks really fascinating. He looks really interesting. I it's it's. He's probably the. I'm excited is, for this character. He's got to be like one of the most technical looking characters in the game, and um, most other characters, uh, you could probably figure out what they're kind of doing off of watching them. And him, I just have no idea what his like play style is going to be like. Even though we we have like um, a couple rounds of footage of him, which is the most we've ever had for a character, so um, it almost feels like to me that that uh, the team was like so aggressively working on this character that that like time was taken away from other elements of the game if that makes sense like it's i know that that's not, it's that, an interesting thought i don't know not, if it's true that's but. not how how a lot of game design usually works because usually you know you have animators and people you have writers you have all these people doing different tasks um people working on the coding and design docs and stuff like that uh people working on dlc people working on you know the next game or whatever um balance teams you, you have all these teams but i at a smaller team people probably wear a lot of different hats and seeing that like this character is like this insane this wild this many spells and animations and this big of a lore character feels like maybe they really thought they had to hit it right and maybe I, my guess is that like i i would have to there's they're releasing him new colors and a new stage at the same time and it just feels like a big drop and maybe like there was a lot of the team working on this kind of stuff animator like people who are like animators and coders like really aggressively working on this character um but he looks insane he looks so interesting i'm so interested to play this character he comes out the 25th um and that's then soon. yeah and then that's soon and then shortly after that we'll have street fighter 6 but this weekend before that comes out street fighter 6 which comes out the 5th or uh, same as diablo pretty sure so no i think it's a little bit earlier than diablo i want to say well diablo has an early access period for the um people who aren't poor oh okay the yeah. people who don't, the people who, um, who ate up on those double downs. The people who, uh, for whatever reason, have faith in this game. You have faith. Uh, I do. 
I do. Um, I'm looking so, forward to Diablo. I think it's going to be the only good game that Blizzard's put out in a long time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that there's a there was a uh, Street Fighter beta that is going to be like a true beta this weekend. Beta? I hardly know. Of. So I'm finally going to get to actually play this game against people. Um, so that'll be that'll be kind of oh. fun. And the, there's think, a, there's you, a little bit more are? of the roster is opened up, um, but not the not the full roster. Um, the, the, you know, we usually don't do this anymore. The newest thing. But I just want to stop. I, I have to stop and just say how ins- absolutely buck wild it is to me that Overwatch canceled the PVE segment of Overwatch. So not entirely like, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's like, no, people missing. They, they said like people misinterpreted it. And then there is still like a large portion of it coming. Just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the full details, but I, it might be disingenuous to say that that whole thing is fully canceled. I mean, that was like some of the things that from what I got, it was a major PVE mode. And then now I think they're scaling it way back to just be like these missions, maybe, and maybe take away like what was kind of more promised was um, these major PVE modes with all this like talent trees and scaling up. And it was almost going to be it almost looked to be like Destiny like where you'd be kind of replaying the same areas to like unlock more talents for the for the characters and maybe more like stat upgrades and stuff. And then also there was going to be um this huge uh narrative component to it and it was going to explain the going to the overwatch story and lore and i think that they're scaling all that back um that was like the takeaway from this was that like that has like largely been scrapped there's not going to be like a big pve mode and that it's going to be a little bit closer to what they do during holidays sometimes of like these like pve events um and that like that like they're not really doing this the quite the scope that they were initially saying that they're going to do, which I just think is like, you know, no matter how they do it, it's almost indescribably wild how this has gone down that Overwatch had Overwatch 1, then they make Overwatch 2, which is like just a patch. I mean, it's just a patch. And it and it's actually a bad patch because it got rid of Overwatch 1, so there's no Overwatch 1 for you to play. They changed one thing from being 6 to 5-person team, so like, I hope you like that because there's no choice between whether or not you're going to play that way. They added like two characters or something and then they change and then the major thing that they did was they overhauled all the monetization and that's really what it was what this was about right and that's what i mean that's that, that's not like a a hot take that's what it's about is that they changed it so the overwatch is now no longer on a loot box system it's on a battle pass system and that that's and then instead of getting free heroes you have to buy the battle passes to get the heroes and that that obviously causes some huge problems because it used to be that a hero drops and the whole community could play it. So if you are a tank main, you could go play that tank. And now there's this huge issue of, of did you buy the battle pass? Okay, well, if the character is overtuned and you didn't buy the battle pass and you're going to play healer and you're not playing the new healer, then your team hates you because you are taking up a slot playing a worse character. So the game got, just got like kind of worse and the uh, cosmetics got more expensive and more greedy, and the kind of main thing that was supposed to make it Overwatch 2 was this big PvE component, this big, huge thing that they've been talking about for years, where it was going to be these PvE maps, the stories, the um, PvE characters, the talent tree system that was going to modify the way characters worked, um, all this kind of stuff, and that the fact that that is kind of going away is, is like, you know, you really did just make a patch. You really did just do a patch to make the monetization greedier. That's all you did. So you, oh, were you looking forward to it at all? 
Were you like no fuck Blizzard? I hate Blizzard, and I'm annoyed that I even have to download um, uh, the Blizzard client to and pay the money to play Diablo Diablo Four. I'm annoyed that Diablo Four looks as good as it looks right now. I I really wanted there to just be. I, I was I was I. I I, I don't often, like, root for the failure because good video games are good for us all, right? Good, what's good for the goose is good for the granders. It's um, good but for the gamer. It's good for the gamers. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I just want the worst for Blizzard these days because I, I, their, their path has been so nasty. And I don't want to see them rewarded i mean maybe there's a silver lining in that if diablo 4 does come out as a strong you know good game that is monetized for because the battle battle passes aren't unfair i don't think that there's anything wrong with a battle pass i mean we've been trained to to accept that right um so so if if diablo 4 comes out and it's well managed and the battle passes are good and um, there's no greedy monetization like they had initially in Diablo 3 or, or God forbid, Diablo Immortal, then maybe it will be a way for Blizzard as a company to kind of say, like, look, 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 this we, we, we did an a old-fashioned Blizzard game. We made it, you know, we waited to release it. It was good on launch. It got good reviews. We didn't do anything creepy or greedy. We didn't do anything like that. And look at the fans responded. It's, it's a great-selling game, and people are happy for it. And we finally got a little bit of um uh goodwill you know and, and and maybe that will be the thing to turn blizzard around to say like here you finally did that old blizzard thing of we'll release it when it's done and we'll release it good and it'll be polished um you know i i want to maybe it'll be good all those things but part of me just is like i hate this company now i just don't want to give them my money or time that's totally fair yeah but you're excited for it and it it looks it looks really good it, it, it does. It looks I mean, really good. It, play, it played good. You know, they had the server slam, and that it, it was a weird time to have a server slam, right? Because like they they did this uh, double down? on Breath of the Wild weekend. Okay. So the whole goal is like we're gonna push our servers as hard as we can on Tears of the Kingdom weekend. Sure. They just did it. Yeah. Okay. They said we're gonna push our servers as hard as we can to make sure that come launch day uh, we're ready to go that we don't have to worry about the, the issues. And uh, it, it worked without a hitch, pretty much. I mean, you know, they had some problems with the early betas. They're also doing an early release for people who played, like, the extra $20 or whatever. And, and I feel like with that, that's also going to help spread out some of the server load issues. But at, You know what's you really know, interesting? Um, they're also just going to get DDoSed. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that, uh, that you say that because Honkai Star Rail, like, w was obviously you know like gonna be super popular and they did this thing that i that people think that they did purposely but the there was an announced time that the servers were going to open and they they opened an hour earlier and i, I don't know if, like if this helps because I, I don't know this kind of back end stuff but it was like the smoothest launch in history like there was no issues there's no hitching there's no problems getting into the server and usually that is a big problem on gotcha launch days it's like sometimes there's like a lot of there's like you know day one patches and then there's issues getting onto the server and there's too many people hitting it at once and you keep disconnecting or something and this game like this fast like you know this like extremely popular game from an extremely popular company launched so smoothly so I, I I agree with you I wonder if the idea is that you know so many of the hardcore fans that are paying shelling out an extra twenty dollars 
get to play it for two days so they're not as quite as like horny at this to play the game at the exact launch time so you spread it out a little bit of like you know we already we have 30 yep. percent user capacity right now and then it's going to go up but like those people have gotten a little bit of time so maybe some of them are have a little bit cooled on it you know not that they're not playing it but they've cooled a little bit on it and it's not going to be like a complete server load um so yeah maybe that maybe that could happen i do think that like um it's hard to say that a beta especially launched during tears of the kingdom um would be per- perfectly analogous to a you know uh global launch but we'll see i i don't blizzard even blizzard during their best years was not famous for having smooth server launches obviously going back to like wow yeah, i remember how miserable wow was every single time there was a new there's a new um uh uh, expansion they would just be like you know just miserable for like two days you said it yeah um i have i have some stuff to talk about i don't know did you, did you play oh anything? boy no i played i played this i played the, the you did the... play a little darkest dungy too i know i'm not ready to talk about that i i don't think i've played enough of it i played a a, a little of it a couple hours of like it. two runs i've played four runs Ooh. That didn't go great. Um, Darkest Dungy Two Early Access coming out to hot to you. Um, this is one of those it was things. Early Access now it's it's one point Oh, it's one point now. Wow. Yes. Um. Uh. I guess this is one of those things where we could say like whether or not it, it is it is feature complete. I suppose, and then it'll just get better. I mean, or Darkest Dungeon One had a lot of um uh, after the fact kind of uh, patches. I find Darkest Dungeon sometimes combat wise to be a little tedious because the fights can be very slow and long and and hyper random um there's a lot Ooh. of like just there are a lot of like moving parts and like uh yeah definitely like a lot of like abilities that like could could fail and stuff like that yeah there's there's stuff where it's like the the first of all the, the game is built this way um it is built as an extremely challenging uh rpg turn-based rpg and the kind of like the to just describe how this would work is like your character might have like 14 health and then a crit could hit them for like 12 so people can almost die off of like one random stray hit or crit um and then you have stuff like a miss can happen so it's one of those rpgs where the um the the dice are kind of like loaded against you and it can just go disastrously really really quickly um and that you're like that also the fights can like last a little bit longer um one so the big change here and this is a darkest dungy too um and the two is important because there there is some major system changes that i that i think is for the better i don't know if darkest dungeon one fans would quite like this and one of the big reasons why uh, Darkest Dungeon One fans might not like this, is they have taken out the Darkest Dungeon. I mean, like the the way that Darkest Dungeon used to work, the the gameplay loop of it is that you pick characters, you go into dungeons, and then you're kind of you know traversing the dungeons, um, like on this map, going back and forth. Sometimes you're you're um you are uh, retracing your steps. And throughout the dungeon, you are encountering issues, be it traps and monsters and you know, poisonous, you know, treasure chests and, and all this kind of stuff. And everyone is getting sick. And then there, there's a element of, uh, sanity where 
people can go insane if they, you know, if they if they if they see your allies crit, they it might pump them up and make them more excited. If they see enemies crit them, they might get more depressed. They can have moments where they either make or break themselves. They either, you know, uh, in a moment of like near death, they can like gain an extra boost and you know get try their best, or they can you know get upset and then just start missing everything. Um, so there's all these things to the game and they kind of like, they streamlined nearly everything and they made it a traditional three map roguelite, uh, a la Slay the Spire, a game that we're always talking about where you are now on a horse and carriage and you are going through a path. You, it is a very classic roguelite. Stop me if you've heard this before, where you are kind of like picking a direction. Uh, you kind of know most of the time what you're going to be coming up against. You're making those choices like, oh, do you want to have a hard encounter or do you want to have a, you know, healing room? You know, like obviously if you go to the healing room, that's good. You might get you, like your your characters might not die in that next room. But what if you you beat the encounter, you might get this big reward. So you're making these choices with how you're going to go throughout these paths. Um, so it's extremely classically roguelite. Um, and then with that, they've added a ton of meta progression that wasn't really quite as much there. There was meta progression building up the town, but I think the game is a little bit more skewed towards that now of like, you are going to keep dying and then the game is going to keep getting easier and easier and you're going to make the character stronger. Um, uh, there was this whole element in Path of, in a, in Darkest Dungeon in the first Darkest Dungeon where you would get uh, new characters at an inn and bad things could happen to them when they after they get through the dungeon they could be um, hurt and need to like sleep or you know like be nearly insane um, and if they died in the dungeons they died forever they died for they real died in real life they died in real life and in this game um, they've changed it so that that uh, you kind of just have a character of that class. And, yeah. when they, and when they you die, like you're just using man at arms and yeah. the the rogue. Yeah, and you're you're building that that up. So um, I think that that instantly yeah. makes things so a little it's, bit it's easier. It's very streamlined. It's very streamlined, and it's way and it's way hard. It's way it, 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 like in the other game, you could get these like hard stops where your resources are low, your best characters are dead, things look kind of grim. It's gonna be hard to go back into. You're you're kind of maybe gonna have to take some like because when, when they tell you like the difficulty of the dungeons, you might have to go back and like grind out easier things to get some more resources to build up the characters or whatever. And, um, they've kind of streamlined all that. They've made it a lot easier. Um, and with it, are, there's some kind of new elements to building up the, the horse and buggy, the, the coach kind of thing and making it, uh, uh, like a, a lot of progressive elements to, to the world, but you haven't played a lot of this. So I haven't played a lot of it, but I, I don't, and I don't know how much I'm going to play in the near future because uh, there's so many things. It's wild out here. It is wild out here. The last thing I want to say about Darkest Dungeon Two is it is gorgeous. Oh Looks my good. god, it is game. beautiful. They they took that art style and they they really took it to the next level. It to me it reminds me of. I don't think there's high enough praise in this, but it's like going from like Guilty Gear, uh, like Accent Core or something to Exerd, where where it, it, the the first Darkest Dungeon is these two D. It's it's good looking and it has a very dark aesthetic, obviously a very gothic aesthetic, and it looks very good and it has a very unique style. But the characters are two D, and now the characters like have this you know Exerd you know Arxis style look where they kind of from a glance they look 2d because they're they're so well 
like animated and they almost look like flat because they're cell shaded y and then but they are 3D and the animations are incredible. They look so good. Uh, I just think that the game looks incredible in motion and like the the characters just animate so well. This is a really cool um uh sequel for me. I think that's some I can imagine some darkest Are you dun- uh, are you Steam Deck in this? No, because it doesn't actually have the Steam Deck uh, functionality yet. There's that. That is. Th- there was a recent update that said that they are. That is the next major patch. Is that it's going to be better on Steam Deck. Right now, playing it on the playing it on computer, I do not know. It, it would require. I. You know how there's games you could just try it out. Like I feel like this is this would in its current iteration would be a game where there's a lot of like mousing over things because without streamlining and making it like you know controller friendly or steam deck friendly i think the game would probably be a mess there's a lot of you know mousing over different elements um looking at like be be it going through the the menus be it like picking certain options i feel like there's a lot of mousing over things and um i just don't know how they would do that in a streamlined way uh uh with all like the status effects and all the menus and 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 all these like different elements to it so i i i I, they're working on that um i will i will steam deck i was what i was playing on steam deck and what i want to come back to but i'm worried that i never will come back to or maybe it'll take me years to like um elder lilies was nine years of shadow i've been playing some older games recently i feel like you can you can get back to it i've been I, i mean that that's usually not like me but but uh the steam deck heals all wounds um but but nine years of shadow i've been playing it and that is a metroidvania kind of game and the it kind of looks like Saint Seiya, which is this old anime, um, where uh, you the setup is that the world like lost color, and then you went to this castle to like uh, this you know Castlevania style castle to return color, and you're doing that by I guess like fighting things in the castle, and that the main way that the um, Metroidvania element works is that you're getting different like Saint Seiya style suits you're doing like you know clothes like uh almost like sailor moon transformations between different between different suits um and like the so the first one you get is like a lightning suit and there's not that much interesting going on then you get this this like poseidon suit where you get all these crazy things like either other than being able to breathe in water you get like a mermaid ability where you can move around in water different ways and and um uh that's that's pretty cool i want to give that a little bit more of a shot but uh there's some kind of frustrating things and it also kind of takes me back to what i was annoyed about with what i forgot the name of it um i was just recently talking about it and i just kind of fell off of it where uh it was a different uh metroidvania that i was playing after image that's it um you're uh, loving the metroidvanias yeah i've been into metroidvanias um after image has this thing where there's no invincible dodge and i feel like 2d games can be kind of clunky not having an invincible dodge i just feel like it's awkward it's like really weird i i just there's a lot of enemies that like kind of run at you and they can be kind of big, so like timing jumping over them can be awkward, and it just makes me feel bad that I'm like you know messing up when like games like Ender Lilies just have this invincible dodge, and I I felt like I had more control, and that like I like the bosses were hard were like very tough and challenging, but like when you learned them, you could eventually like you know ha- like utilize this dodge very well, and this game like doesn't have that either. Um, I have some more things to talk about. Do you have anything? Oh boy, I don't. Nope. <laughs> oh I just boy, play, I just play Zelda. Oh boy, um, uh, there was Idol Showdown came out and got a lot of buzz, and I was playing a oh, little. Oh yeah, is of that a that. fighting game? It is a fighting game styled at, by a like 
small, if not, I think it might be a one-man team, one-person team, I'm sorry. Um, uh, it is a 8-bit looking um, Hollow Live, especially it's it's more off of the Japan Hollow Live. From what I can tell, I don't think they have really like um, uh, the the American Hollow Live uh, characters in it yet, and it's a very small roster because it's a very small team. Um, but it, it got like a weird amount of buzz and like a lot of people playing it. Um, I didn't super like my time with it. Um, and I think that there's going to be like some big balance issues. And I also think that like the character kits don't make any sense, which would, which would make sense that they don't make sense. Um, because there's, these are VTubers. There's not really a lot to go on about what they should be doing. So kind of a lot, like the thing that kind of like, I think all the characters kind of remind me of like a Phoenix Wright in a fighting game where, um, every animation is like, oh, you're, you're, uh it's 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 like marvel combos a little bit where it's chain combos where you have like a one two and a three or like an a b and a c and you can do a kind of chain style of like standing a crouching a standing b crouching b if that makes sense you know just doing like a, a piano style combo um and uh the characters combos are just like oh, in this animation, she, like, sneezes. In this animation, she, like, brings out a jack-in-the-box. In this animation, she, like, falls down and, like, the, the a rock falls up and hits them. So you can imagine how, like, in motion these kits are, like, what is... This looks so weird and goofy and, like, I don't understand what this play style sure. is supposed yeah. to be because, obviously, these characters were not, like, designed to be fighting games. They designed to talk in Japanese at you. Um... So uh, I played a little bit of it, and I do not think I'm going to be playing much more of it. Um, and then uh, I just wanted to say how, like, man, the uh, 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 there was the best. Uh, Nikkei just had like the best. I know, like, I I kind of sort of mentioned it a little bit, but Nikkei just had like the best um, event ever that they have done. That that like one of the best events in Gacha history and i think that like the gotcha community at large is pretty so like is pretty in agreement on that that was like really dark and really interesting and it kind of like gave all this tons of backstory it's almost sad that the event was that good and that people who would pick up the game now wouldn't be able to play it with how many important narrative things there were and and also it's it, this game like is con I, I talk about the game's narrative and how it's doing some like really good things narratively um that is weird because when you look at the game you're like this is the game this like jiggling ass game is the game that is doing things good narratively but the the uh recent event was just wild and just like ha dealt with some like really heady topics and it was just so cool i almost want like a game to just be about this like the setup for it was that it was just in the the like i've talked before about it, it it's like this these um kind of machines are invading earth called raptures that are murdering humans and that to to save humanity they created something called the ark which is like this underground facility and then they kind of like locked it to stay safe away from like the raptures um and the story of the event was that the first initial like squad of the Nikkeis that they created these jiggling boob girls that have guns to to stop the raptures uh the first group that they created um that were on the surface to like try and 
keep the people safe during the initial creation of the ark uh, are like fighting these these raptures and trying to keep the humans safe and then kind of throughout the the the, the narrative pull of the story is that uh, there's like a lot of hardship and for the for those characters and that uh, uh, some of them die and that it causes their leader uh, like a lot of stress and uh, makes her like actually suicidal and then the other characters have to monitor the leader who has become suicidal and is attempting to kill themselves and then meanwhile that all this is happening um, the arc the, uh, the the humans like tell them like that like they've been saying that once the, the 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 final missions to like secure the ark are going on and that humanity will like finally be at least like have a safe haven from these raptures um is going on they're going to allow the Nikkei to come back into the ark and then uh in the last bit of the narrative they're they're like yes yeah, sorry like change of plans we couldn't do that because you are going to need to destroy the elevator that that lets uh, the you go back down to the ark because that we're worried about the raptures using it and then the Nikkei are like you know you, you you're not going to have anyone to protect us to protect you if you get rid of us and you're just going to like leave us stranded on the the surface and then they're like yeah actually we're building new models of you people so uh we don't really need you anymore you, you, wow. you, you just need to yeah you people you Nikkei's um so then the, the uh -oh. fine so then the final thing is like you know after all this horrible stuff that has happened to them and that there has been like death in their ranks and that their leader has like completely become suicidal and insane. Um, that the humans are like, yeah, the, I'm sorry, but this is the thing we got to do now is that like, you have to destroy the elevator to keep humans safe and you're gone. Like you're going to be just like stranded up here and probably die. And we're not going to help you anymore. And we can't let you come back. And that was like the initial promise. So it is like a wild story. It is really, really dark. And I couldn't believe that they did those kind of things. They even had this like, I've never seen an event do this, but they had a choose your own adventure book, which as a kid, I loved these. And the, it's literally doing the thing of like, okay, you found a route and you want to go left or right. And then you, that you go left and it's like, okay, you found a, a stick. Do you, how you, you're trying to find food to bring back to it. It is like really interesting that they did all these things and it just got so dark. And it was like, it, it, I just have to say that it was incredible. I loved it. And it was like one of the best stories and and like it, it continues to it surprise me how good these stories are and then uh, uh quickly also like Honkai Star Rail has their first uh new major character and uh I'm just loving it I'm, I'm playing a ton of it uh I uh have to be like 60 hours in I finished Bailobog the first area and I thought it was a really good story and um I'm in the second area which is like it's cool because it's like semi-open world in the fact that you're always kind of backtracking and going through things. But I'm kind of in this area that's like a space Chinese where it's this mm. all these weird, interesting things about this world where they grow. The, sh the ships are like, have, have you ever read Hyperion? No, but I've uh, I've meant to. Um, the, sh the ships, like the whole world takes place on like a floating ship. Um, and the, the, the ships and all I the mean, structures... I've, see, I've seen Snowpiercer. The, all the, the, the structures are grown from... Grown. Seeds. Yeah, all the the, 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 the... the kind of the world that these space Chinese live on is this grown from seeds. So it's kind of this world, this Yggdrasil world ship, and that they're... The ships that they use to fly around on are germinated from from seeds and are these, like wooden biological vessels and it's really wild interesting 
uh, thing. So so they're doing they're knocking it out of the park. Everyone's really happy with that game. Um, it is crazy to me that uh, the first banner in uh, in Honkai Star Rail uh made 44 million which eclipsed which uh, not eclipsed um but it beat the highest selling banner of all time raiden in uh genshin which was around 40 million so uh the first star rail character sold more than the peak genshin character for what it's worth all right pretty pretty interesting um, I still I think about playing Honkai every once in a while, but then I uh, remember that my phone is somewhat older, and Google uh, is coming out with a I, I think it's already out. No, it's not. Uh, Pixel Fold, and I've been really wanting one of these folding phones, but they are essentially the price of two high quality phones glued together. So this is like a a sixteen hundred eighteen hundred dollar phone. You don't get less. You get more off of that from like your phone plan when you're. I never even I, I never use the upgrades. I probably have upgrades. Yeah, I, I got the iPhone 14 XS Max, the brand new iPhone for like, I think 400, and it's like 1600 or something like that. I got it for yeah, like. I gotta, a, I gotta I gotta look into that for sure. Yeah, I um, they, they usually do like trade ins. So I did like a trade in. A folding on, phone would be sweet though. Yeah, like one of I mean, folding phones. It is. I yeah, I bet it would look good on that too. I mean, it's something that like it, I, I I I don't. Uh, it would be interesting if you downloaded it and just saw how it ran. I, I, I've told you how it runs on my phone. It is also on PC, and it runs perfectly on PC, obviously. Um, so maybe it's something like uh, uh, in the future, if you get a new phone, it would be worth it to just try it out at like a big, um, uh, like heavy, you know, looking game for the for the phone, see like how yeah. well it runs it and, and everything. Like, like, yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of these, these uh, folding phones, but it's essentially like, it's a phone, and then you can open it up. So technically, it's got like th- like two screens where it's got yeah, like course, a small these. screen, and then it flips open, and then it's like a whole another big screen that's like separate from the other screen. Yeah, it's I've crazy. heard. I've talked to people who really like that because if you end up watching like like I've seen a lot of people watch you know sports or YouTube or movies on it, and it's it that when it's fully opened, it's like a little bit closer to a tablet than a phone. A little it bit is, closer yeah. to a tablet. So, so, so if you're so if you're the kind of person that does a lot of, um, uh, you know, Netflixing on the go, uh, yeah. Then, then I think but, that but that for is for me like... the other part of it is that I just have so many screens already that I don't know if I need to add more screens to my life. Then you're adding. You're you're like you're taking your one phone and adding two more screens, essentially, I know. right? Um, but I, I think it's it's great and people are loving it and it's like almost I, I from a money wise and hype wise I think that it may start to outbid Genshin, which is insane to say. Especially for... It's especially crazy that it's doing that with a turn-based RPG. Um, the the new character that launched, I am in love with him. He is so cool. Jingyuan, he is like this general. Um, and I, I've been praising the kits, the way that the kits work in, in uh, Honkai Star Rail. I think that they're very... I, I think that I, I love kits that are simplistic and easy to explain from like a narrative standpoint or like a flavor standpoint that you you look at the kit and you're like this is what the character does it makes sense from a outsider perspective rather than just being this mess of like stats and damage and buffs and all this kind of stuff um his main thing it's like very simple is that if you think about so i've described the way that the game works it's like this final fantasy 10 style um, I mean, like other games, you know, do this, but it, it, you can think of a turn order. You can see the turn order. 
Um, and with Jing Yuan, when he's as long as he's not crowd controlled or dead, there's a there's a puppet on the turn order. And whenever his puppet attacks, um, it does a lot of damage. And that's kind of where his the bulk of his damage comes from. Whenever Jing Yuan goes, all he does simply is that his skill ability and his ultimate are AoEs that, that increase the number of hits that his puppet will do. And they also make his puppet faster. So when the puppet, in the, in the beginning, when you first start a, a battle, the puppet is extremely slow. And the more turns you go with Jing Yuan, you, the, the more powerful you make the puppets hit. So uh, that's the idea of them, is that, that uh, and it's a really simplistic and interesting kit, and I love the way it works, and you can instantly see how you would pair him up with certain teams, teams that, that push Jing Yuan's turn up, the, up to make him go quicker. Um, there's a character that basically skips her turn and buffs an ally and then makes the ally go instantly, Branya. And I have her, so so with her, you can kind of like use her turn to skip to make it Jing Yuan's turn to make him go again to make him further buff his puppet so that you, by the time it comes to the puppet's turn, it's like hitting like a nuke. Um, so you're like constantly trying to uh, push his turn forward to make him go as much as possible to maximize the damage that his puppet does. Um, so he's a really cool, really cool character, really cool kid. The animations for him are insane. Are, are buck wild he's like he's like he he essentially he has um taken like a thunder god and uh like forced it into servitude for him um and he so that is what he's summoning is like this massive thunder god is like coming down from the heavens so he's like attacking and then when the thunder god attacks it just like it, the the camera goes up into the sky and you can see this giant massive thunder god come down and like impale all the enemies it is very very cool looking and i just love him he's so cool um uh that game just continues to get better like as i'm playing it i'm like more and more impressed and more game modes are opening up it has like the most fucking insane roguelite mode that any gotcha has had the roguelite mode in this game is so good that you could take it out and be its own game and it would be worth playing on its own i love it it is it goes so hard in the direction of like synergies and interesting things and uh every kind of time i'm doing this roguelite mode i'm seeing more new things and more new things are opening up um it is just crazy the amount of love that was put into this roguelite mode that is like it's so cool it's so fun to do it's actually like what what i end up doing a lot of times is just like oh i got cool. time here and there to like just open up this do this roguelite mode and it's just like so fun to see like if i get lucky with some of these buffs to see how crazy the characters can get out of out of hand where you just get these things where my character just by the end of some of them is like oh i have this one character that, that has like eight turns in a row she's just gonna keep attacking over and cool. over again um and it just when, when i got that free it. time you know i'm just playing marvel snap oh let's talk about that yeah i'm infinite i mean uh it's after you hit infinite the first time hitting infinite subsequent times is easier but they keep making it easier and easier in a new in a new patch they reduced the amount of cubes per rank from 10 to 7 which is such a weird that's a really choice. weird change and also For a, a weird reasons, number right weird number like yeah like they're saying that they're not hitting their goal in terms of how many people like what percentage of people they want to be hitting infinite why do you care i don't understand why that's important like if if people don't want to 
I, I it's weird because this I think this is also a, a further dis- there's a lot to say about Marvel Snap right now but I think that we can begin this discussion by saying that uh, for better or worse I have never seen a game change this much Marvel Snap yeah. is like Second Dinner changes massive aspects of Marvel Snap's game balance economy ranking system um there's uh, so much changing in this game that the community uh can't even agree what they're supposed to like or dislike at any given moment yeah so so it's like uh, the it's it's also one of the worst uh most bickering like complaining communities i've ever been a part of it's too bad because we had and we have like a, a a relatively nice time right now and 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 i thought that like Prior to some of the recent things that we haven't just recently said, um, prior to some of the recent announcements, I think people were in a really good mood balance-wise, that, like, the the balance is some of the best it's ever been. There's not, like, as much aggression with, like, tiers. Like, we, in the past, we kind of had these tier zero decks where they were just better, and even if you trying to kind of tried to build decks around them, there was no answer to it. And now I think that even the best decks actually do have some good counterplay to it. Um, and that there is, the community is very open right now with, um, there's, there's about like five or six decks you might see a lot of, and then there's tons of other decks that you, that are like there on the outskirts that are still performing well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great meta. It's a great meta. I love the meta right now. I'm, I'm really happy with it. I'm not frustrated to see anything, um, too much. Um, I think that, so Okay, so from the ranking perspective, I don't understand because I to going back to how often this game has been changed. Tip in the past, it was uh, what we've explained before is that it's ten cubes to get a rank. There's ranks one through one hundred. You can't fall below rank ten. So that's not so the, whatever that means. Like once you get to one hundred, you scale infinitely in infinite, as the name might suggest. Um, so. Whenever you, uh, if you win a game and you snap, which is the bluffing, the betting system, and the enemy snaps, you the the winner gets eight, the loser gets loses eight. If uh, if one person snaps by the end of the game, it's four. If you snap, um, it's it goes to two cubes, and it's a like zero sum um, game at the end of it where who whatever is won is lost by the other yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know they've they've seen the the GDC talk by Ben Brody. I watched now, that recently. It's great. So now they're changing that to be um, seven, which is a really weird number between ranks, and it's also weird because the amount that you win is eight. So I just think these numbers are really weird at a at a at a full double snapping like massive you know blowout game. It is eight, which means that I guess I guess the it was the, I, the idea seems to be that a snap will always cause a, a you to go up or down a rank. So now, no matter where you are in a rank, um, you if you snap and the opponent snaps, you're going to go up or down a rank. When previously you could be at like you know one cube into rank fifty five, and then you win a double snap big blowout game and then you get eight cubes and now you're nine cubes in and you need one more cube to get to rank 56 right so so now the way that they have it set up is that a snap will completely put you up or down a rank right and um they also changed it so that there's uh they initially it was like when you hit a new rank which is every 10 levels um when you hit a new um what is it what would you call those like a tier floor um, I guess you, a floor. Uh, you yeah. would go up 
uh, one rank. Then they changed it to five ranks by like which was a massive which amount, was crazy. So then you you you're, you're you hit rank ninety, and then you blow all the way to 95 which meant that like when you and i were getting uh, in the recent seasons you when you're infinite you get kicked down to level 70 which means that you have to go from 70 to 80 then you uh then you go to then you're instantly kicked to 85 then if you keep your win streak you can go to 85 to 90 then you're instantly kicked to 95 and then you're five up so it took like rank 70 was like essentially 20 ranks and the biggest hurdle from rank 70 was rank 70 to 80. Because once you got that, you were like... That's halfway. You're, you're halfway. Um, so now they've changed it again. Um, I don't understand why there should be any... Especially when I hear Redditors talk about it or when I hear when I read YouTube comments, I don't think that there should be any reason to make the, more people hit infinite. If you aren't hitting infinite in the current seasons, then it's a you problem. Uh, I don't like. I I don't have to like mince words on that. Like you're not doing good, and there uh, there are have always been competitive decks that don't require you to get a, t- a tier five. People people do say a lot about like pay to win decks, like which is so like it's weird that people are complaining about it at, at this point where you can earn like seven thousand collector tokens a month and. Decks like the Darkhawk Stature deck are like, okay, that deck costs 6,000 tokens. But you get Darkhawk and you get Stature. That's 6,000. That's a month worth of tokens. And also you open those cards in boxes. Like their series Yeah, Stature cards, got moved down like to three. She's uh, still four. They're, okay. both, they're both series four. Yeah, so so I, I think there's a lot of like, there, there's a lot of complaints about the economy and there's always going to be a lot of complaints about the economy and some are valid and some are completely not and I kind of don't... I, I first of all don't think that it requires you to spend a lot of money to be able to be competitive. I think that if I started over a new account, I would understand which cards to go for. I think that people also... Just like anything in life, it's really easy to blame your losses on other everything else you see and not you. And... I, I still completely stand by the fact that I think that this is the most skill-based card game, that there is a ton of decision-making that goes into every single step of the game, and that also there are the a lot of the best tech cards in the game are, uh, are, are really given to you up front. So if you are able to, if you were as good as someone like Educated Collins or Hoogland or something, you would be able to plan for the meta and then create decks that are built around it rather than just like lazily saying, I want to make the, what people are playing as the tier one deck and I want to make it card by card. And I don't understand how to play this game if not doing it card by card and just having the easiest best deck or whatever. I think, I think that especially in this meta, um, like you can build around the top decks, even if you don't want to spend on it. And, and like you said, like Thanos and Galactus aren't even like considered the best so the best, like some of the best, like cards in the game, like the, the the easiest cards to go for, if you want to be like you know, just play like the by the numbers best deck would be like Darkhawk, and that's a that's a series four, so you can get that. Um, so I don't really understand some of these complaints about it. I think that so so there was a big there was a big like stir up of people being upset that Darkhawk and uh, Null no. didn't move down from series four to series three. Um, I don't know if this is a thing that 
because I'm different. I mean, like you kind of. I, I meant- think the issue with it is that they didn't they didn't communicate it right. So people got into this idea of cadences about when cards would be dropping, and 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 people planned for it, and then when the cards didn't drop, they got upset, and people essentially said like, if we knew that this were happening, and you know, obviously different parts of the audience feel a different way about it, but some people were like, if we knew it were happening, if we could have planned for it, if they communicated, it wouldn't have been as bad, but it, it, it's bad because, you know, people didn't know it was going to happen. And obviously the other part is people say, this is a bad precedent because it means that cards that are better or more sought after are going to stay in a higher series. The alternative way to look at this and the way that Second Dinner is trying to sell this is uh, cards like Dazzler and Shadow King and Ghost are underutilized. So by providing those to the audience more broadly, uh, people will find ways of making those cards useful. Yeah. Which... I, I get that. Like, I understand both of these. I, I think that it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yes, they're trying to keep these up there so that people will spend their money. Uh, not their money, but their their currency, right? Like, the main thing that Second Dinner is trying to do with some of these changes is prevent people from hoarding currency, um, which I get, because if people aren't hoarding currency, uh, then they're more likely to buy currency. Uh, but but the other end of it also is like, yeah, these cards might be underutilized and maybe by people having access to them, people will experiment and find something they like. Instead, they are just told by content creators, hey, these are bad cards, right? And and people even felt that way about like Sentry. When or, Sentry or how about was Leader? Like, or how about Arrow? Because, those, because Leader and Arrow were in the game for so long and... and... Uh, until they weren't utilized in like top top decks until the greater fandom kind of experimented with it and then people started finding out like how good those cards kind of were or how good certain play styles were like trying playing a big yeah. high power deck and then waiting till turn six to play your arrow versus the lazy like I'm playing arrow on turn five where she's way less useful there are certain there's tons of aspects of that I think that even at the high end like educated collins has the the numbers to prove that he's like the best snapper or whatever but i think that even at the high end um that the game has way more experimentation in almost every meta that has like kind of gone under the radar there's there's always been times where some of the best decks kind of came up i think that it's wild to see the deck the best deck coming out as like oh yeah it's just black hawk i mean black bolt and Darkhawk and, like, Stature or something, this kind of, like, weird mid-range deck that isn't doing anything. And, and people didn't figure that out until Stature hit Series 4. Yeah, so so that's my, my point, is, like, it, Stature has been out for a while, and there weren't people saying, like, oh, Stature's a Tier 1 card. There weren't people saying Black Bolt is a Tier 1 card. And, and this has been going on. So... So I think that when you look at any meta, you you always in this game you're always seeing things that that the content creators and everyone is behind. And I think one of the biggest problems that we that we still face with the 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 whole uh, community at large is that is that it's weird that there's so little experimentation. Um, I I think that that is probably a side effect of the fact that the game is only ranked. 
Um, when yeah. you're, if you are, I understand that if you are a rank 50 person or you are any other rank that's not infinite, you are less excited to try new things or to experiment because you're experimenting with your rank. And I, I understand that. Um, when you get to infinite, um, and you can't go below it and you maybe just don't care about ranking after that, you can open things up and that's why maybe some of the best decks come out of the minds of these like infinite level players because they're getting to experiment with this stuff and that a lot of these best decks, it takes a long time to to, to min-max this stuff. It takes like, we, we've we seen that like for some of the best cards to, to be utilized, some of the best decks, it, it sometimes takes months and months. Yeah, I mean, there, there's also stuff where, like, you know, I wrote a deck guide on a deck that we both played to Infinite. And, you know, it included stuff like Nightcrawler. And people were like, can I take Nightcrawler out and replace it with, like, Iceman? And it's like, absolutely not. No. Why are people obsessed with, like, taking a card that makes sense and just replacing it with a card they see all the time? Like... There, there definitely is like the community lacks. It's weird for card gamers to lack creativity. You know, it's even weirder. It, it almost the, feels like they're playing their own game. It, well, it does because because it's weird that this community lacks um, creativity. Maybe I'm gonna like. There's only twelve cards in this in these decks. Maybe I want to. Maybe I'm gonna like boomer down on this and then say like it's weird to me that out of every card game I've ever played. Marvel Snap is designed in such a way to slowly met out the cards. And the reason why they do that, especially during Pool 3, is because when you get a new card, you are meant to try and build a deck around it based on what you have. So, like, you're not going to have... If you're going through Pool 3, which is, by the way, don't, like... This is like one of those things of like trying to rush through your childhood. Like there's people who are uh, uh, in Reddit, you know, or on Discord that are saying like, oh, I'm in pool three. I'm not pool three complete. But like, I really want to get um, Thanos or, or Galactus or Darkhawk and make these like tier one decks um, and, and do that in, in pool three. And it's like, and, and they're annoyed that how many cards they have to grind through to get to, through pool three. It's like, that's the best time. That's an amazing time to play this card game because you should be playing against people like you, like yourself and other people that don't have, that aren't collection complete. And they're just trying to make do with what they have. And what that's meant to do is to cause you to get creative is like, you're not going to have wave death. You're not going to have, you know, all these cards to make these like, uh, like Galactus null, Darkhawk, you're not going to have all these cards to make these tier one decks, so you can't necessarily go online and just Google best deck and then come up with it. And the whole thing is supposed to be teaching you deck design, and it's supposed to be teaching you how the game works and theory crafting. And and that's what I that's what I spent my entire pool three time doing was was oh I just got this card, how can I fit it in and like make decks out of what I have, even though I'm not like complete on on collection level. Um, so. The game is trying to teach you that, and then why are you going to get so easy, like, so dull and complacent when you get, like, to, you know, out of pool three? And just stop trying to be creative, stop trying to build around the meta, just start looking right at what the best deck is. It's just a really easy, boring way to play, and it's like you are hurting yourself. I just don't understand, and it's, it's, it's just a really weird way to look at the game. Like, the game has been designed from the ground up to probably attempt to make it so that you never ever get 
collection complete. And that part of the entire game has been from the beginning is that you aren't complexion, you aren't collection complete, that you don't have every card, that you are missing things, that you are going to have to make some choices about, um, I have some of the cards for this deck, even at, a, at the end game, but you don't have every card. And like, how are you going to build around it? How are you going to swap stuff out? How are you going to make like reasonable changes to these kind of things? Or, or, uh, or try to um, tech for the meta. Um, so, so I just, I, I think a lot of it is really weird to me, just some of the, the attitudes of it. I can understand being upset. The, the, it is crazy how often everything has been changed um, and that we've gone through so many crazy like monetization changes and that uh, that uh, just hearing out of nowhere that like Null and Darkhawk, Darkhawk aren't going down to tier three because that's what the community has been used to. It's been a cadence of, of there's just a timing that every card gets dropped down from one rank to the other and then it gets dropped down again. So there's just been like a good cadence for it. So I understand people being upset by it for, for like a, person like me that is like um uh been playing the game since the beginning and is like closer to collection level complete and is like i think like generally maybe series four complete i don't care i think it's kind of weirder that the game just keeps building up pool three i think that maybe they should have been doing this it's their fault for doing this all along maybe there should have been cards that stayed pool four um to make pool four meaningful because pool four like cards right now um, cards come out to only pool five and then they, they go into pool four and it's a waiting room till they go to pool three and the community has been yeah. used to that happening. I, I, I don't know why they haven't utilized pool four as it's weird to me that everything it. falls. Yeah. And I, and they are changing that, right? Like they're making it so that now some cards next month will be releasing to pool four instead of pool five. Yeah. Um, so I guess but like, no one's I, talking about that. Then, then there was the other thing that what you're saying is that is that I don't know, to clarify is that they think it's weird that every, they, they agree with the community. I think this is actually a really good change. Is that every single card shouldn't release into pool five? So there's going to be cards that release directly into pool four, which are obtainable through the caches, which are cheaper to buy with tokens. So they're going to be cards that come out and that the, for the for once in this game's life cycle the community is going to be able to say I, I i can i can play with that on on day 1 because they the card is more affordable from a token standpoint and it's also grindable um in a way that series 5 is there's no pity on it so series 5 you can't ever grind to get it um series 4 you can grind to get it um so so that that is changing and that is good that is a big step forward um I guess like I can understand the community being upset that, that they're changing this and that they also seem to change it for the cards that are the most looked after out of maybe of the series four cards. Like if you want to play a really good Galactus deck, you need null. If you want to play the current like, you know, heavy hitter tier zero net deck, you would want Darkhawk. Um, and those cards strategically weren't moved down. So, you, so like I understand that it looks grimy, but it's also like, you know, if you're at the point that you should be worrying about those cards, then you probably can get those cards, right? Like if you're if you're series three complete, then you probably can get those cards anyway. If they're if they remain stagnant, pool four. Yeah, there's like this weird thing that happens. I'm sure that like somebody hits like collection level one thousand, they lose to a card like Darkhawk, and then they look at like a meta tier list and they see that like. Dark Hawk is is the best card or something. And then they're just like, well, I don't have that and other people do, so they paid money 
Meanwhile, they have like other series four cards that maybe are just like underrepresented. Yeah. So it is like this weird thing. And then, and, and yeah, I could see that person being frustrated when Dark Hawk, that card they lost to, the one series four card they care about, doesn't drop to, you know, series three. Yeah. But that's why the token shop exists. It's there. People can buy it. But people are obsessed with high evolutionary. And people think, I, it, I cannot wait for this card to release because I just want people to shut up about, about high evolutionary. People are like, oh, I can't get this because I'm saving my tokens for high evolutionary. And it's like, why? It's it's going to be fine. But like everyone is also everyone is talking about it being like really overpowered, like people who really haven't thought about it much at all. But they see how much of like the game it's going to change and they say that it's overpowered. And it's like if it's as good as you think it is, you're not going to want this card to be in the game. Yeah, you're going to get it nerfed anyway, but. I don't think that I Evolutionary is going to be overpowered. I think it's fine. Like I'm, I think I'm whelmed by it just because I'm. Whenever anybody like talks about something or hypes anything up too much with regards to a card, it makes me less interested in playing it because I don't want to be playing the same deck that everybody else is playing. Yeah, I think that that's high, why I'm so, I think the I'm high, so high on this Iron Lad still. I think the High Evolutionary is really cool because I think that the card is going to take months to iron out um, and into reasonable decks because I, I, I think that, that lazy game designer, like lazy uh, three crafters are just going to throw every vanilla card into that deck. And that's obviously like not even where they want you to start with that because there's a, there's like two routes through high evolutionary. There's a route with dealing negative there, yeah there's a negative uh energy route and a uh, there's there's a negative power route and, and then, then a sunspot like saving energy saving energy route, route. Yeah. so there's like this yeah there's like this route of like and it, so even if you get lazy and you bust it down to those two aspects i don't think that the best decks will even look like that and will even be just a one-to-one -one, like oh yeah you just pick all these cards i don't think the decks will make themselves in the end quite the way that people think that they might yeah um, I'm excited for that card. Are you excited for a Living Tribunal? Mm-hmm. That's a cool. I cool think card. that'll be an interesting card. That'll probably be very bad. Unfortunately, I think it will probably be like, very bad. But it I, could. It I, could I like keep push... trying to think of the permutations where that card would be meaningful, and I can't figure it out. I don't know. Maybe it like pushes what Omega Red or something into the meta. It's too expensive. You know, like in order to get Omega Red to somewhere meaningful, you need to run Onslaught. So I guess there's a route where you're running like Wave. Electro, yeah, or you're running Electro into Omega Red into even then into Onslaught into Living Tribunal. Yeah, but then that's not enough because you need Iron Man and, you, and because, you need you need to beat them by ten on that. Well, the other thing is that uh, Living Tribunal actually is um, it, it's worse with Onslaught, right? Or it's it's worse with Omega Red because that means that you can't stack power in that lane to add power to the other lanes. Yeah, because of the way that that works. So that's that's going to be like awkward. I don't know how you make that card work. Living Tribunal but, is going to be a huge. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a huge deck uh, theory crafting hurdle for for months because I when I think about realistically what decks put out lots of stats into each lane. Um, it's stuff like, well, I think like, you know, like Dr. Doom and, and stuff like that will be, get extra value because you're putting 
five into every lane that is also being like put into every other lane. So so there's certain cards where like I, I think almost like a bouncy big like dazzlery deck like a shanna deck or something where it's just putting down tons of cards so that you're trying to like aim for like almost 20 everywhere but even then you're just getting no like... i think that it's good in a deck that plays one lane really tall yeah but like then when but... you when you see that like nuts like black panther is like a thousand points yeah i but... guess so i guess you are right um but but then that it's it's that's gonna be an easy thing to shut down unfortunately because won't there just be if, if you try and go for that back panther route then then it's like completely cosmoable people aren't playing cosmo armorable let them play armor you don't need Zola the panther you got a odin the panther you do it's like a wong mystique but there's not even space for that right like like you could do like zabu into wong into mystique into panther into tribunal and is that even i don't even know if that's worth it if that's enough power is that games? This is two hours. Yeah, that's way too much. I have to get ready. You have to get for... ready for the collector cometh. Yeah, we're playing. I've got a big blood on the clock tower game plan tomorrow. Very exciting. I'm going to be storytelling for the first time. Very exciting. How many you got? I think nine people. Wow, that's a good number right there. It's a great number. Uh, it's been it's been easy so far getting people to play board games so far. So that's been good. <sighs> All right, take us home. It's WTDG podcast number 303. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us today and for listening to the whole podcast. I hope everyone's got something good to play. Hope everyone's doing good. Uh, Go out you know, there and play on. some Guilty Gear. Maybe. I mean, play what you want. Take your no, Switch. I was just doing, I was just, I was doing my, uh, my Rufal Monger. Oh, that's fun. Uh, WTDGpodcast.com. That's where you could find us. You could find us on... Uh, on your your Apple Music, where we've got look at that, we've got nine ratings on Apple Music. We've got four point seven stars, so that's really nice. So if you'd like, uh, go on there, you know, rate us or rate us up, rate us down, rate us smile, rate us frown. Uh, you could find us they on have Twitter smile and at sign, ratings now on Apple at sign WTDG podcast. Uh, we are Twitter verified now officially. We've got Twitter blue. I'm joking. We don't. You thought though. Uh, what else? I mean, you know. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumpier for the muse of your... I gotta stop changing words like that because this is... I, I changed gander to grander earlier on the podcast and I, I think... I wonder if... That's fine because people just be like, I don't even under, know if he understands what that what that phrase was. But if I do that to Bumper, then people are like, I don't understand. I can't find the the music of Bumpier. But uh thank you ryan galloway and bumper for the use of music we use the intro and outro you can get it off the new album pop songs 2020 um it gets newer every day um for me you can find them at youtube where you can find links to to all of their merch i own the the shirt and i own the record wow way to uh, go i hope every i hope that you go out now go out there and play some honkai right you like that that's what he says now you go like out it? there and play some darkest dungi do you like it I like it. Go out there and save some daylight. These are all of our our things. Battlefield Hardline sucks. <laughs> <laughs>